Hello everyone, I'm Madison. And my name's Roman. Welcome back to the Your Hired Podcast, brought to you by the Bastion Family Center for Success. For today's episode, we'll be discussing advice from our alumni, Nairi Billups. Nairi has contributed so much to Knox College. He's a part of the Board of Trustees and a Black Alumni Network, also known as BAN. Nairi also has a lot of experience and has a distinguished background in different therapeutic areas. To start this episode, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, Nairi Billups, Knox College class of 1999. Uh, in my current occupation, I work for AbbVie Pharmaceuticals, where I'm in our portfolio and program management uh, team. And as a part of that, I lead the integrated and evidence uh, team of PM. So I have a team of 19. Um, and our job is to uh, draw out the business case for every asset that we decide we want to explore. So we look at the timelines, we look at the cost, we look at the resourcing internal, we look at competitive intelligence external to the organization, and then we manage this entire process throughout the year by consistently checking in and seeing are we on track, where we are not on track, we look through mitigations to try to get us back on track, and where we need to reset the expectations, uh, we, we pursue that path of resetting the expectations for the organization. That sounds like a lot of moving parts. So how exactly did you start your journey and how do you know you're making the right decision? Uh, you know, it's I don't know that we ever know we're making the right decision, so to speak, uh, because it's whenever you're dealing with predicting the future, um, it's as much of guesswork, lucky guess um, as it is good science, good data, although good science and good data gives you a greater confidence. Um, if I think about our entire portfolio now, nobody in any of our plans planned for the pandemic, right? They're, they're just some things that we just can't plan for. Um, I've managed clinical trials directly myself where um, in Mexico, there was a strike with the government. So we couldn't even export any of our drug in for clinical trials. So there's so many risks that you can't even go through and sort of say, let's plan for those. But you do the best you can, right? If there are 100 risks available, I, I don't care how smart that team is, you aren't going to identify all 100. Even if you get to, but if, the more you get, the more confident you feel about where you're trying to go. And so that path of getting here is probably more luck and design um, all at the same time. So when they talk about preparation, meeting opportunity, um, I think who I was and, and even the type of student I was at Knox, I was always organized. I was always thinking about, well, homecoming's going to be this week. Let me make sure I get all of this stuff done so I can make sure I'm going to go homecoming, right? So, um, and so I, I was working in a lab doing the same thing. One of our um, uh, collaborators came down. Uh, it was a pharmaceutical company. Um, and it was like, Mary, every time we come down, these meetings are so well organized. Have you ever considered being a project manager? I was like, I work in a lab. This is what I do. And so then that, that, that started some interviews and that started opening up things. And uh, my first day on the job, I, I, everything clicked. Uh, I, I, in the first sets of meetings and I was like, oh, well, why don't y'all just do this? Like, I was just going like natural and it was like, oh, yeah. And so then it, it was just, and so even now there's, I do a lot of preparation for work, so a lot of reading, literature, data, trying to get that piece. 
But that piece of me thinking forward and being strategic, that's so natural. So natural for me to hear a problem and start to think through it and kind of go, well, what information do I need to, what information do I have? What information do I not have? What information that I don't have that I actually need that's critical to me to make, for me to make this decision. And so uh, I get a real kick out of that. And I get a real kick out of uh, leading the team that, that I'm responsible for and really being a sounding board and coaching and teaching and helping them see that, you know, strategy is all about literally one question. Where are we, where are we now and where do we want to go? And, and that strategy question thinks about how do we get there? Right. And there's a multitude of ways of thinking about how to get there. I think that's very interesting because I know for me, sometimes like I would be very like hesitant or like doubt myself. But like it's always good to when you're making certain decisions or if not all decisions to be confident in yourself and know that, you know, there are things that can help guide you to making the right answers. Just you got to do the work or whether it's work, actual work or research or whatever it takes to, you know, make sure that you're making those decisions that are going to leave a better or positive impact. Uh, you know, and I, and I think you're spot on on that because I think that that space of confidence really comes from, I don't have to know all the answers, right? But I do need to be clear in, did I understand the question Right. Did I think through possible ways of asking those questions? And then at some point you start to get a sense of, I feel like I understand this issue. I can characterize this issue. I can look at it from some nuanced perspective and then say, here's what I think I'm coming at on the opposite side of that. Right. And in terms of sort of the outcomes. But I think the thing that you have to sort of also have in the back of your mind is, is that this is any way the wind blows, right? There's all sorts of things that can derail you. So it's not about coming up with a perfect plan that's just going to be executed because we know life doesn't happen in sort of this perfect line. It is about saying, based on the information I had, I feel like the decision that we made was really strong. But even when this thing happened, to be able to say, you know what? did I miss this information or was this just something I could not have in my wildest imagination thought about? So the pandemic is a great example of all the, I've been in this industry 20 years of all the risk assessments and risk analysis I've ever done. A pandemic has never been on the list. Now we'll probably put a pandemic on the list going forward and go, Hey, well, what about this? You know, right. But even still, you still can't predict the exact pandemic because we have had similar scenarios. If you think about, uh, the West Nile virus, right? The avian flu, right? So those are things that can, but they none of those ever shut the world down in the way that this pandemic did. And so even in that, a lot of us had to come to work last year going, I know you guys want me to figure out how to get us back on track, but I don't even understand this landscape because this landscape is changing every single day, right? And this, this time last year, Nobody was talking about the Delta variant, right? So we there's things that we thought, and then we also thought that, hey, by the time we get a vaccine, in short order, we'd be back to normal, right? That's actually taking a little bit longer, right? And so there are things that even with your best laid data set, your best planning, if you think you're going to be perfect, you're setting yourself up for sort of that attack on your confidence because that confidence piece is, am I confident that I brought my best self to the table? That Am I confident that I, that I was thorough in my analysis? I was, 
unafraid to ask questions. I was unafraid to collaborate with people, you know, to get that best thinking to the table. Having confidence in the workplace is about, am I leveraging the tools and resources around me in the best way possible to drive the best decision we can? It's not about getting something perfect. It's not about getting something with 100% accurate. Look, again, there are things that we can't say, do we know this data point and can we verify? Yes, we can. But if you tell them, if you ask me, which is what my team is always tasked to, what's your confidence that we're going to launch this in 2032? <laughs> I'm like, uh, hey, look, if all goes well, 2032 seems reasonable to me. But I think we all know that there's so many things we can't plan for that could derail them. Right. And so I think when I think about the discipline of program and portfolio management and project management, this is where that maintaining and controlling phase is, is that I'm looking to see where we are. Are there some levers I can pull and trigger to sort of get us back on track? What are some leading indicators that's telling me that we're trending in the wrong direction, that I need to raise a flag up? I need to investigate this a little bit more. The confidence comes from you being attuned to the people on your team, their roles, what they should be doing, how they should be doing their job, the way the information flows back, bringing that sort of to the table. So my team support over 90 assets. There's no way I know all this information about all those 90 assets. But if I go to any conversation about any of my team's assets and what they're working on, there's a fundamental set of questions that I know I can come into I can just go who, what, when, where, why. Let me ground myself to where we are. Who's in the room? Why is this conversation important? What caused this conversation to happen? Why is this being raised as a red flag? Now, as I start to gather these sets of pieces of data, I now know what conversation I need to have with my team. Because now I understand what the issue is. I understand why this is important. And now I can bring that understanding to my team and say, hey, guys, here's the task before us. Here's why this is happening. Here's what we need. And here's when we need this information by. So now we're collaborating together with, you know, all those sorts of people. And so, you know, for the role that I'm in, I don't often get preparation time for meetings. Right. And there's there's a part of it that. um I have to show up being open-minded. I have to be, I have to go into the meeting knowing that there's something I'm not going to know here, but what is it that I do know, right? I, I do know how I've trained my staff. I do know the confidence that I have in my staff. I do know how my staff is performing, right? So there's something up going into it where there's some strengths that I have in that conversation. And so for me, that confidence about in any given setting, I need to be able to leverage some of my strengths. Like, so this gets back into sort of uh, the, the sort of the Knox education. Uh, I remember my first calculus class and having to tell the story of how I got the answer. Well, one of the things I'm really good at in the professional space is telling the story, right? Uh, one of the other things I'm really good at is digging into the data and finding some of these opportunities. So that 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 ability to critical to think critically. Um, that was honed in at Knox because I think all of our classes were about critical thinking. If you think about freshman preceptorial, it, that's a critical thinking class, right? All of these folks are now in this room and we've all lived 17, 18 years and we knew what we knew. And now you're hearing somebody go and saying something else and be like, that sounds foolish, but it's somebody's reality. And when you step in, that, when you step in that space of realizing somebody's reality is very different than my reality neither one is more true than the other, except for each of our own respective situations. 
And so if I want you to give me allowance for my space, for mine to be true, I have to give you that same space as well, too. That same thing happens in the workplace. I need to go in there going, I might not have the best set of information possible. Somebody else may have some additional information. So I need to be open to that. I also need to be open to somebody else's confidence about what they are saying and what they're doing. And can I step in the space of being able to say, can I see where they're coming from? Right. And so what I've learned is, is when I can see where the other people at the team is coming from, maybe they're driving something that's particular to their function. That's different than my function. And maybe we have a competing objective. But even if we have competing objectives and I can see what it is that you're trying to get out of this, I can now look at my objectives and say, where do I have room to be flexible? Where can I cooperate and collaborate and meet them? Right. So that we can have this shared conversation where we can have this shared uh, set of next steps because at the end of the day we work for the same organization and our goal at some point ties together which is we want every asset that we have to be successful right and so that that mentality that you have again I think about I, I still remember some of the huge debates we had in my first my precept orientation um, but it was it was so much of a, a, a eye-opener that it set the stage for what I'm going to see in the workplace as well, too, because in the workplace, you're going to see a wide variety of experiences, education, work, cultural, right? So all of these things come into play. And so just bringing that open-mindedness to the conversation, uh, it helps your confidence as well, too, because now I know I'm a willing listener and I know I'm capable of listening. And so if I show up in a meeting with my listening ears, Right. What comes out of my mouth becomes that much more better. I definitely have a like a similar mindset with my first year preceptorial in terms of like you were saying, like teaching me not only to listen, but to listen with the goal of understanding. Mm-hmm. And alongside that skill you developed, I also think based on what you're talking about, your skill of confidently understanding people and then being able to make decisions off of them. How did you develop, whether it's an intuition or the skill or the confidence to take other people's knowledge and figure out the direction forward or for them or for yourself or for the company? Yeah. Also to add on, your field and the things that you're doing in the business aspect of it and with the science, it is very competitive. So it's also like, I'm thinking like, how do you trust another person within like your career field as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are really good questions. I think so to the first set of questions, which is um, how do you practice the skill of listening to others? Right. I, I think there's some things that we've heard our entire life, right? Two minds are better than one, right? Uh, there's no I in team, right? I, life teaches you that throughout the course of everything in your family, right? Even in your friendships, where are we going for spring break, right? You just don't unilaterally make that decision. You want it to be something that everybody um, wants to, right? And so if you think about where we are in this country in the landscape uh, with equity, you know, equality, right? Inclusion diversity, all of those things are the practice that we need to achieve those things. Because all of those things need everybody to come to the table or each person to come to the table willing to listen to something that's different than they are, that came from a different background than where they are, right? And so 
if I don't practice those in my day-to-day life, it makes it difficult to practice them at work, but I have to practice them at work in order for me to be successful, but I need to practice them in my own life in order for them to be successful. And, and while we consider it practice, it's not really practice more so than it is just living every day. In every single day, in every single interaction you have, there's an opportunity for you to connect with another person. And you determine how you show up ready for that conversation. So my family would probably say, he talks to everybody. Well, for me, in talking to everybody, I'm consistent. Every person is a human. Why should I not talk to you? You're human. So if I'm engaging in any human, I want every human to be engaging with me, which means I need to show up as my authentic self. So when I go to work, I'm showing up with the authenticity of who I am. And so that practice, even at Knox, when I was part of Student Senate, again, if you guys have ever been in any group, I was once president of ABLE. There is no consensus anytime you put two people in a room without a discussion, right? Again, there's the random thing of, hey, you want KFC? I want KFC. Okay, fine, right? But for the most part, I'm not really feeling peace. Okay, well, what are you feeling? Well, I'm not really feeling that either, right? And at some point, in order for any two people to walk in concert with each other, there's some tuning that has to happen along the way, right? No matter how much you love the person, no matter how much you respect the person, we're all going through our individual journeys. And so when we bring those individual journeys together in any plus one situation, now you need to consider the other person's journey just as you want that other person to consider yours, right? So that practice becomes who you are. And so I think that, that whether it's you talk to people on the board, whether you talk to the people at work, whether you talk to the people, you talk to my neighbors, everybody's going to pretty much say the same things about Nair. Like, yeah, I can talk to Nair. I feel like I can talk. He's somebody I would want to talk to. And that practice becomes not necessarily this likability, but I want that willingness. I want people to understand that I'm willing to see them. I'm willing to see where they're coming from so that they're willing to do that. When we're, when we're willing to see each other, the things that we put on the table becomes easier to talk through at that point. Because I'm, I don't have to defend what it is I'm saying because you're giving me the space to say it and listen. And then you can come to a place of curiosity, even if that, that space of curiosity comes from just your own background. Uh, so, you know, just to sort of connect this to sort of the Knox education, uh, I remember the first time I met an atheist. Growing up in the Baptist church, I thought atheists were all going to hell. They were condemned from the jump. They didn't know God. God. But then you got them going, that's a good person, right? He's nice. He, I could talk to him, right? You know, if I need some help, he'll help me out. Like, he doesn't cuss. He doesn't, like, I'm going, and why is this a bad thing? Because he seems like, if, if, my, if I, again, didn't have a kid at the time, but if my kid saw this individual, would I want my kid to model some of those behaviors? Absolutely. I absolutely want my kids to model behaviors of people that they see doing things in a respectful manner, teaching pe- treating people like they are a human, right? And so that the, the mindset that we go into a conversation helps shape the success of that conversation. If you go into a conversation with a closed mind, you're about to fight the entire time. But you go into it going, I might have done something wrong, so let me be open to listening where I might need to change something on my side, right? And and it's not all about being defensive. Sometimes it's about accepting because we have this notion that I need to do everything to be a good person. 
I just need to be myself, which means there are going to be some things I'm going to do that people are going to like, and there are going to be some things I do that people are not going to like. But where I'm doing something that somebody doesn't like, I need to be able to sort of internally assess, am I coming from a place of negativity? And that's the reason why that was, right? And so this simple example I'm going to give, if I step on your toe, it's not my responsibility to say that it didn't hurt, even though my intentions were not bad at all, right? If I accidentally step on your foot, the first thing people say, man, why are you getting mad? You know why you try to do it? It's not that they didn't know you didn't try to do it, but it's about how are you going to respond to stepping on their foot? You need to accept that you may have hurt them because if they say that this hurt, you need to accept that. And then you need to get into that space of, man, I'm sorry that I hurt you when I stepped on your foot. That is saying straight facts, right? You acknowledge that you stepped on their foot. You acknowledge that you heard them when they said it hurt and you accepted accountability for those things. But if you're not coming into it with that right mindset, a fight may break out. Man, you know I didn't do this and you might push him, right? So, so now the situation is escalated beyond what it should be. But then that same mentality is what we need to do to go to work, right? There are conversations that go sideways at work because we're all so smart, so passionate, so you know intense about what we are. But we all realize that we have to step back and say, you know what? I'm advocating for this point that I see. But did I give myself an opportunity to see the point that they're trying to make? And then vice versa, because the moment you get in that mode, you also get into the mode of, well, because I wasn't listening to them, they might not have been listening to me. So let me, this is where confidence comes in. This is where emotional uh, intelligence comes in, which is to say, you know what? It's okay for me to be the person who says, hey, you know what? Let's reset this conversation. Let, let me listen to you again. Can you restate what you just said? And, and let me explore that from a place of understanding because now I'm putting my defense mechanism of defending my position to the sideline. Let's put that in the parking lot. And now let me deal with this, this right here, right? And so that's, that's that practice. And it has to be honed in literally in every conversation you do because in every conversation you do, if that's how you is, it becomes who you are. It becomes the habit of how you communicate. It becomes the habit of how you interact with people. And that becomes that ultimate practice, which is I need to continue to flex that skill, right? And so if I pivot, so you talked about uh, the competition. We're in competition with other companies, Toyota with Ford, us with every other. Body. So within our organization, we have this thing that we say all for one AVI. No matter what function you're in, at the end of the day, we're not competing with each other. The moment we realize that we're not in competition with each other, the conversation changes. Now, I'm going to say this and get into some of the sort of flavor of the day. The conversation with equity and equality and inclusion and diversity, the core of that conversation in my mind is that. There are folks who believe that if I give you some equity, I'm losing something. <laughs> Actually, it's the opposite. If I come into a conversation looking for equity, everybody's in an opportunity to gain. So it's climate change. This is one earth. We're all here wearing a mask. We're all here together. The moment we decide and the moment we start to see that it isn't black versus white, it isn't rich versus poor, it's how do I 
be a productive member of society? How do I play nice in this sandbox that we call Earth? How do I show any other person or any other human the same respect of being counted for as a human that I would want? Which means if I go out showing this, the energy that I'm going to receive back is most likely going to be in that same way, right? But we we found this space of division because we see things as in a plus minus. We see it as in a give take. And as long as we see things as in a give and take, we're always going to see this competition, right? And so when you're working within a team, you're not in competition with your team. Even if you're in sports and you're the person who's coming off the bench, you need to be the person who says, look, the moment I'm on the court, I've got to bring the best value possible. And when I'm not on the court, I got to make sure I'm bringing best value possible, which means I need to understand my role. I need to understand that the reason why I'm not on the court is because that initial five has a better chemistry than when I'm with that five, or they get us off to a better start than when I'm in that five. But I do need to understand that when somebody needs a, 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 a rest, a break, they get injured or whatever it is, and I'm now in the game, how can I positively impact this to say, you know what? I'm here now. We all are here. What do I need? If I need to get the loose ball, if I need to get the rebound, if I need to take the charge, I'm doing this on behalf of this team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of You're Hired. And big thank you to Nayiri for joining us today and giving back to the Knox community. To hear and see more of what the Knox Career Center is doing, follow us on all of our social media. And once again, thank you for listening and see you next time for our next episode. We here at You're Hired are on a mission to provide concrete and actionable steps that move you closer to your dream job. Our partner and podcast sponsor, Haven, is built to bring you opportunities to develop skills that light you up, gain experiences that move you forward, and build diverse communities to support you. To learn more about paid micro-internships, group discussions, and one-on-one mentoring, go to www.joinhaven.com, H-A-E-V-N. The link is in the description, and we hope you take the next step in building your dream career. Thanks for listening.